All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and uh, speaking to you here on February 14th, 2017. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Um, I'd like to remind you each week that I am uh, the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe to that letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York during regular work hours, 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. also like to encourage you uh, to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? To do that, you can go to chenpix.com, chenpix, C-H-E-N, pix.com. Uh, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. Um, and keep your questions, comments, criticisms, and praises coming along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Also, want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Today's show is our today's show is sponsored by Dynasert, uh, Golden Predator, Chilean Metals, Arvista, Novo Resources, Uranium Energy Corp, and Aran Resources. I've titled today's show, uh, Doug Casey Compares the 1930s and Today. And Doug will be our main guest at half past, hour, uh, half past the hour. Peter Talman will be with me right after the first commercial break. And Michael Oliver is here with me just to comment on the markets momentarily. As Doug points out in an article he wrote this past week, generals commonly fight the last war. And when times change, very often that those strategies don't work very well. And he draws the parallels with the uh, the generals at the Fed and the Treasury are also trying to fight the last war. And, uh, well, frankly, the, they weren't very effective the last time in the 1930s. Uh, but they seem to be, to be applying the same medicine that didn't work well then. They're trying to, uh, to make it work this time by doing even more of something that didn't work well the first time. Well, Doug is going to talk to us about what, this impending depression is likely to look like uh, well maybe a lot of people think that it's just silly to talk about depression because after all uh, the gods at the Fed have all this money creating ability and there shouldn't be any reason to even uh, to even worry too much because uh, well we've placed our our fate in their hands and haven't they done a marvelous job well that's of course uh, questionable um, the propaganda would suggest they have that that you hear on the mainstream media all the time. But we'll talk to Doug about that and many more things. But primarily, we want to get his take on how we should prepare going forward for the uh, for the mess that lies ahead of us down the road. And, and frankly, not so far down the road. If you're living in middle America, it's already started to a great extent. Um, 
And uh, as I mentioned, we'll be talking to Peter Talman. Uh, I, his company, uh, Klondike Gold Corp, is, is a very interesting company. It's one that I own. It's one that's recommended in my newsletter. Uh, and uh, Peter will have some interesting things to tell us about that. It's really comparable, as you'll learn, uh, to the 1849 gold discovery in California. Only the Klondike was far enough north that a lot of people... Well, it was just harder to get to, and so it has never been explored to the extent uh, that uh, the gold fields in California had been explored in the past. Uh, but we're very fortunate to have Michael Oliver with us right this second uh, to get his take on the markets. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Good to be here, Jay. Thank you. Always good to have you, and uh, I would just note to my listeners, uh, it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, and I understand, Michael, you have a new website, and uh, you've revised your uh, your subscription structure to some extent anyway. So, But anyway, people might want to go there and, and check it out in any event. But I think uh, it's, a, it's a very good-looking site and uh, probably more reason than ever to go there. Uh, Michael, last Saturday you put out some charts that looked, I thought, very positive for gold. Specifically, I noted your weekly, weekly momentum charts show a breakout above a, a weekly momentum downtrend uh, from... Uh, January 2016, almost a year, we had a good bull market. We had a, a, a nice uptick, a, a good market up yes, last year in 2016 until the last part of the year. Um, but it looks like we're breaking out again, according to that chart. Uh, the momentum chart especially looks looks very positive. Do I have that right? Yes, you got it right. Uh, the, <clears throat> the gold market looks like it has put its elbow up over... Now, I'm talking intermediate trend right now. Mm-hmm. Long-term trend, as far as we're concerned, turned positive. February of last year, and nothing has changed despite the September to December sell-off last year. While it was sharp, it did not alter our assessment of the long-term momentum trend. And uh, it held precisely where it needed to, within $4 of a number we did not want to see, and we did not see it. And since then, its markets rallied well over $100, a lot more than that, in fact. Uh, and it may nest around here for a while, which is what it's doing. But on an intermediate basis, not looking at the very long term, uh, that downtrend that persisted it really showed itself late last year. When you measured in momentum terms, a breakout has occurred back to the mm-hmm. upside, indicating, okay, we've both broken the backbone of that period of sell-off. Now, the price chart may not reveal it, but momentum does. So I'm pretty comfortable with the notion that gold is now safe, it may congest. You could pull back 20 bucks, something like that. It, it's irrelevant on that, that issue. But I think that was the low down there, just above 1120. Right now we're in the 1220s, et cetera. Um, I'm also watching other things that are behaving in a similar manner, in particular the yen, mm-hmm. also watching the euro. Uh, but I think the stock market is probably capturing all the headlines. We know that. And yeah. the attention. So some of these other markets, which presumably should be collapsing in the face of a strong stock market or not. Mm-hmm. They gained a lot of ground, and they're holding it. And they're more or less sitting there in the, in the bleachers watching the stock market uh, spike itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I put out a report. In fact, some, I don't know if this ever happens to you, Jay, but sometimes I dream markets in my sleep. And <laughs> I had this vision of the Chrysler building and uh-huh. the chart of the S&P going back to 2009. And I did a report today called... Uh, sent out this morning called Slip, Stumble, Fall, and it, that means three different levels that I'm trying to identify. I think we're in, the, if you look at the Chrysler building, there's a spike on top of it. I think that's where yeah. this market is right now. And what we're trying to do with MSA, in fact, if 
people go to the site that you can request a sample copy and that'll be sent to you, that particular report. But is to identify first a near-term downturn that looks credible, two, an intermediate downturn that breaks something of larger consequence on momentum now, and three, a full resumption of annual and quarterly momentum downside. So like three different levels on the ladder I want to see broken. And frankly, the distance between triggering the uppermost of those negative trigger levels and the mm-hmm. lowermost is only about 6%. Wow. So it's not like I've got to drop 20% to prove the case. Right. Uh, the S&P just needs to start to slip, to stumble, and then fall. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's what we, one should be thinking right now is eyeing this market with a, with a, a scope <laughs> and trying to measure each of those uh, downturns. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking at your report right now, and it's it's very interesting. You show the the parallels between the Chrysler Building and the, and the S and P 500. Again, Michael, that's very generous of you. So people can actually go to OliverMSA.com and request this report, and you'll send it to them. Did I hear you right there's on a, that? There's a sample box you can request if you're interested in subscribing, and the rates don't uh, bother you. Then uh, we'll yeah. we'll be happy to send sample reports, including that one, and okay. uh, your consideration. And uh, sure, anyway, sure. 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 One more question before I let you go here. I, I, you also recently put out a chart showing the relative value of silver to gold. Would you comment just briefly, take a minute, and why sure. is that important? It's, well, we all know that historically silver tends to outperform gold in bull markets. The question, therefore, is this. <clears throat> silver broke out versus gold on a relative performance basis some months back. Okay, But then we had the, the sharp sell-off late last year. The question is, during that sharp price sell-off of gold and silver, did the spread relationship between silver and gold revert the other way to where silver has done something bad to itself on a relative performance basis? And the answer is no. Yes, wow. silver suffered more in the break, but it did not technically re- reverse or negate the breakout it had in performance some months prior. So that trend that favors silver, yes, it did have a bit of a correction during the late last year, disfavoring silver, but it did not alter the trend, and the new trend Mm -hmm. being favorable for silver long-term versus gold. So in effect, the spread echoes our view that the pullback in gold, while mighty and scary to many, was largely irrelevant to to the long-term picture. Mm Mm-hmm. And means also, I, I presume then that the uh, the bull market in precious je- metals in general is still intact. Intact, yes. The, yeah. In other words, the spread between gold and silver, silver and gold, uh, still favors that presumption that silver is in an outperform mode versus gold. And yeah. the last year's action did not negate that. Yeah. And we know that gold outperforms silver in a bear market generally, but in a bull market, uh, us gold bugs are are happy to see silver doing very well because that means that we'll go along for the ride. Correct. That's that's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and uh, your views of the market, always very valuable. So uh, we'll look to do it again next week, hopefully. Thank you, Jay. uh, thank, Thank you very much for being with us. So, folks, we're going commercial break, and when we come back, Peter Talman of Klondike Gold, Uh, will be with us, uh, so don't go away. He's got a very exciting story to talk about in the Klondike, the famous gold fields of the Klondike. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter Talman. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Orin Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Orin is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. Golden Predator Mining Corp., a well-financed gold exploration company operating in Canada's Yukon. Focused on advancing its Three Aces project, a high-grade gold project located in the southeast Yukon with gold and quartz outcrops at surface. Ongoing work includes trenching, road work, drilling, and bulk sampling. Golden Predator also holds the past-producing Brewery Creek project located near Dawson City, Yukon. Golden Predator, a company working closely with Yukon First Nations. Golden Predator trades on the Canadian venture market as GPY and in the USOTC market as NTGSF. Chilean Metals is a Canadian junior exploration company focusing on high potential copper, gold prospects in Chile and Canada. Chilean Metals Zulima property is a Candelaria-like prospect, one of the largest mines in the world. The company has begun its drill program in Chile on its Zulima property and should be completed by the end of February. We also own a 3% royalty on future production on Tech Resources Copa Query property, potentially worth millions of dollars annually. This is the time to invest in Chilean Metals, a discovery story with a hedge. Traded TSX Venture under symbol CMX. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have with me for a second time, Peter Talman. Uh, Peter is the president and CEO, and he's a director as well of Klondike Gold Corp. And he is a very experienced mining entrepreneur, professional geologist. He's had over 35 years of experience uh, working in places well, in Canada, Chile, Mexico, Australia, and uh, his uh, career has included the grassroots discovery and delineation of three mineral deposits. Uh, interestingly enough, not only gold, but also antimony and zinc as well. Uh, and now, as president and CEO, he's working on his second gold discovery, uh, that being uh, for Klondike uh, for Klondike Gold. Um, the company trades in Toronto under the symbol KG. You can buy it down here in the States, as I have under the symbol KDKGF. Uh, 53, almost 54 million shares outstanding, really very uh, low market cap, uh, selling at, uh, well, yesterday it was around 16 cents in U.S. money, around 20 cents in Canadian uh, currency. So it's a, it's a market cap of less than $10 million in U.S. In US money. So uh, a very low market cap, but with, uh, I think, very substantial, perhaps spectacular upside potential. Thanks for joining me, Peter. Thank you for having me on. Always good to talk to you. Um, and uh, the Klondike, um, 
it's uh, you know it's a very very interesting place, but the it's sort of overshadowed in many ways, isn't it, by the discoveries in California, 1848, but the uh, 1896 was the discovery in the Klondike. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and and uh, what this, perhaps the similarities of the two deposits from a geological uh, perspective and what that might mean uh, in terms of the exploration potential of your project in the Klondike. Well, they're they're really similar geologically, and they also share the same discovery history. Uh, with the California gold rush happening in 1848, and about 50 years later, the Klondike was discovered. Um, from a geological perspective, the, the gold in California and the gold in the Klondike are more or less the same age, Jurassic in age, so about 150 million years. Um, the Klondike or the California Lode Gold District, uh, the Mother Lode District, is mostly quartz veining, and there is some disseminated gold there. Same thing in the Klondike. Um, just the geological characteristics of it, uh, it's a thrust terrain, all, all the details are comparable. Um, the discovery history of California, of course, um, it basically was serviced by San Francisco, and ultimately 40 million ounces of gold came from the gravels, and 200 million ounces of gold were mined later on from bedrock. Mm -hmm. And so California, the state mineral California, is gold, uh, and it's been a, a huge prolific district over the last hundred years. In Klondike, by, in the Klondike, by comparison, there's been 20 million ounces of gold found in the gravels and from 1800 to now, and there's been zero ounces found in bedrock or at least discovered in mind. Um, so Klondike Gold's involvement, uh, my involvement with Klondike, was taking over a company that had claims there, Klondike Gold, uh, a couple of years ago. And we've had two years of exploration in there. And really the, the first, well, these two years have been focused on proving that, A, there's gold in bedrock there. It's very similar to the, the mother load belt in California. Uh, and then documenting that there is grade width um, in these quartz veins that have economic characteristics. And so we've done that. And uh, I, you know, I know you're going to want more details, but just recently we've discovered a zone of disseminated mineralization that has considerably, it's very, very exciting, and it has really good economic style characteristics. Hmm. So uh, can you give us some sense, or is it too early yet to know what the dimensions of the dissemination, uh, they run out from the veins on, on either side of the quartz veins? And and if so, how what sort of dimensions might we be looking at, or is it just simply too early yet to ask that question? Uh, it, it is and it isn't. We had so I, when I was on your show in November, uh, mm -hmm. we had yet to drill this zone. We did it late last year, um, and what I was describing then were the quartz scenes. And we have we have got like the mother load belt. We have a couple of zones that have lateral continuity over hundreds of meters. Uh, one, the best one, was the nugget zone. That was five grams over 14 meters of width, and it's 200 odd meters long as drilled. And uh, that's what we were talking about a couple of months ago. And uh -huh. since then, we went back to the best prospect that was discovered at the turn of the century, so at the beginning of the, 
the Klondike Gold Rush. And, I mean, frankly, I'd ignored it previously because it really had never generated any decent, like the court scenes in there didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went looking at it from the point of view of there is disseminated gold in some of these places, and so let's drill it as a disseminated uh, target. Mm-hmm. And we drilled over a 700-meter lateral strike length, mm-hmm. um, and all the holes, all 17 holes hit, basically, um, and they provided some fantastic results o- over that length. So the best was, as a bulk tonnage target, it's 2.5 grams over 37 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, what we did was we left a 300-meter gap in that 700-meter section, that went over the old underground prospect workings. So mm-hmm. we haven't drilled in there, but we've drilled either side of it. And we've got gold in the holes on both sides. We know there's gold in the middle because it was an old prospect, underground prospect. Mm-hmm. And what's really exciting is that there are 1980s vintage soil, gold soil anomalies on the slope where we're drilling this. And this, appreciate this is right, all this stuff is right at surface. All the holes Mm -hmm. we drilled are 50 meters long. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the mineralization where you intersected started at surface. Mm. Um, So there's a gold in soil anomaly from 1980s, all these old soils that runs four kilometers across the side of the hill. And it directly corresponds to the golden soils where we drilled is exactly where the high golden soils in that section are. Um, And another thing was there's this whole, another uh, 1980s vintage uh, IP anomaly, which Mm -hmm. detects pyrite, basically. And what we've learned is that the gold is, the gold we drilled is mantling pyrite and, uh, and it's hosted by a unit that has pyrite in it. So this IP survey also d- directly corresponds over one kilometer length, and it's we only, there's only a one kilometer long survey um, to to where this stuff outcrops on the hillside. Hmm. So it, it's the first. The significance of it is first off, we have been chasing, and the, the Klondike as well as the Mother Lode District in California are known for their super high grade quartz veins that have been mined, and that's the bulk of the the gold that's come out of California. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been what the Klondike has been known for. Um, although these deposits, or these the style of deposit has disseminated gold as a potential, and that's the kind of the bulk mining targets that everybody likes. And basically, that's what we've discovered. We've found something that has some already some length to it, significant length to it, um, and it has a lot of potential because we've the soil anomaly in particular goes four kilometers. It's not mm-hmm. it's open at both ends as well, and that's what we're going to go test this coming year, starting All in right. April or All May right. when we get a drill to it. All right, when you can get your drills in there, and uh, I guess that's early on. It's uh, about as early as you can get in there, April, May, probably because of the the cold weather. We can, yeah, we can. We could start early April down below. This is just it's up on a like a rounded ridge, and uh-huh. the snow on the road is a little bit snow and ice is a little bit dicey, and there's really yeah. no uh, no reason to get up there and do it that early before, yeah. So all right, hey, so well, then, so you, so you've made, so you've learned a lot, I guess, in the last year, even though. Uh, all your drill results have been reported now from last year's drill program. Yes, uh, this last set 
that pertains to the disseminated zone, we reported in mid-late January. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, it just feels like I've just finished last year's program, and here we are in mid mid February. Yeah, and right. we're almost finished the budget planning for this year and what we're going to do. But uh, I, I know generally that we're going to target this loan this Lone Star area, the area disseminated, as a first mm-hmm. pass that'll occupy the first two months. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to use these soil anomalies and IP and that sort of thing, I guess, more than you realized in the past. Yes, I might have even said it on your show the other, the other last time that soils don't work. Um, and what we found is, yes, they do in places and in particular on or near ridge tops. And that's exactly where this is. Um, and there it works bang on one to one. Um, so, there, I mean, appreciate the old mining, even in California, you've got an area that's been disturbed 100 years ago, and they hydraulic the hillsides in El Dorado and Bonanza Creek and the Klondike, so uh-huh. the soils don't really work where uh-huh. all that ground was disturbed, but right up on the top of the ridges, in this case, they work really well. Interesting. Well, you've talked to us about uh, this being an orogenic deposit, and as I understand, they, they tend to be to go to great depths, and they tend to be relatively narrow, high-grade um, uh, structures usually. Uh, but you have an awful lot to look at, I guess, um, laterally here then, and that's what you'll be focused on, I suppose. And now, even more exciting if you've got dissemination outside of the high-grade veins. Well, and that's uh, somewhere mid mid late summer in last year, 2016. We realized that you know we we owned at that point half of the entire district, um, but there were targets and a lot of gold that there are, there is the potential here for million and multi million ounce gold deposits. So Klondike Gold went and purchased outright purchased the rest of the ground in the belt, um, and the million ounce. The hunt for a million ounces is is on. We have, as our neighbors, uh, Gold Corp, um, who just bought Kamenak for half a billion dollars, and, and the Kamenak had outlined three or four million ounces of gold. Uh, and previous to that was Kinross. So these Kinross bought the old Underworld Discovery, the Underworld Discovery, um, in 2011, I think. And so these are our direct neighbors, and they are both developing million ounce plus gold deposits in exactly the same tectonic style and and lithologies as what we have. Uh, In point of fact, they drive 30 kilometers of their haul roads or through our property. Um, So it's a nice, it's a good area regionally to to be working in. Uh, There's lots of infrastructure, more coming. Actually, I'll point out, actually, Golden Predator are just uh, one of their properties is around the corner from us to the northeast. Oh, very exciting, um, very exciting story there, too. Uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a great jurisdiction, and, and there's, well, where we currently, are, well, we are, our claims are directly outside of Dawson. So if anybody's ever been to Diamond Tooth Gerties in Dawson, we're like 15 miles to the drill hole. From there, and uh, we fill up in Dawson, and and anyway, yeah, it's it's a an excellent jurisdiction to work in. Yeah, and you have all that infrastructure there, even though you are far north. Uh, the infrastructure that wasn't there, of course, when the initial uh, discoveries were made. Uh, how are you? How is your financial situation now? How much money do you have in the till? How far will it take you in this year's drill program? 
we have three quarters of a million dollars in cash. We are we have a preliminary, while well, subject to approval, we're going to spend half a million bucks of that right away. Um, we have two million dollars of warrants uh, in the money currently, and uh, seventy-five or eighty percent of that is held by insiders in the company, and we're looking at ways to have those exercised um, that would provide us with enough to go through the whole year without having to finance. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can you just, uh, with the next, I guess we've got a minute or so left here, Peter, give our listeners a sense of what they should be watching for, things that might cause the stock to uh, to move a bit, perhaps. I mean, drill results, obviously, anything else. Uh, I should ask you as well, I think you just recently picked up some more ground, or you acquired a company up there with a similar name, Klondike Silver, I think, huh? No, Klondike, yeah, Klondike Star, but that... that Klondike, Klondike Star. That's uh, kind of a... Uh, we're just cleaning up stuff that started in 2014, okay. and that was a, a U.S. regulatory requirement. Um, oh, okay. It's a follow-on from something that started in 2014. But okay. uh, coming coming in 2017, watch definitely for the results that are coming from testing this bulk target. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is a, a million or multi-million ounce gold target, uh, and outside of the kilometer in soils, or a kilo- this kilometer footprint, there's never been a trench or an outcrop or anybody. Wow. Nobody's ever tested it at all, so it's wide open. Uh, we're also going to have a program regionally, um, and the other end of the belt in, at Gold Run has produced an enormous amount of placer gold. Last summer and fall, we discovered outcrops that had quite a bit of visible gold in them. Mm. And we want to test those too. And so basically there's there's some advanced targets and then a lot more grassroots poking around looking for other discoveries, specifically like this bulk tonnage target. Yeah, and uh, your area of immediate focus then is, is a relatively small portion of your overall target area. I mean, isn't it? Uh, you've got, give us a sense of the size of your your entire claims. It's a district play here, isn't it? it? We own a district. It's 527 square kilometers, so I don't know what that is in square miles. And we're going <laughs> to yeah. test, we're really just going to test a kilometer um, by a couple hundred meters uh, mm-hmm. at Lone Star on this bulk tonnage thing to, tar- to start with. So yeah. it's a one five hundredth of the entire area. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting, Peter. Very, very exciting, and it, it's, a, it's extra exciting to me because I see a stock price at 16 cents U.S. with 53, 54 million shares outstanding. It's a baby, uh, and so when you can start to, I mean, this is where exploration is where uh, a, a lot of you know high returns can be made. We're not promising anything, but uh, certainly there are some reasons to be excited, Peter. I want to thank you very much. Anything else before we say goodbye? Anything else you want to em- emphasize? No, I, I I would reiterate your thoughts. Just we're at a, a stage where a discovery could happen easily this summer, and and it could emerge if if all goes well and Mother Nature cooperates. We could have something of size by the end of the summer. All right. Well, we'll certainly keep our eyes peeled on your uh, for your drill results, and uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you again sometime in the not too distant future, Peter. Thank you so much for being with us, and. Um, We'll do it again sometime soon, hopefully. Thank you very much. 
All right, folks. Well, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because Doug Casey will be with us to talk about, uh, well, he's, we're going to ask him a lot of things about the gold markets. Also, he's written, recently written a paper about uh, comparing the 1930s to the present environment. So we'll get his thoughts on that as well, how things might be the same or how they might be different. But Doug always has a million things to talk to uh, him about. So don't go away. We'll be right back with the ever-entertaining Doug Casey. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network novo resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects its flagship asset is the beaton's creek gold project in western australia where it is currently processing a 30,000 ton bulk sample novo also controls 100 interest in the blue spec gold antimony project where it is conducting a 10,000 meter drill program the company has over 7 million in cash and enjoys strong shareholder support from the likes of eric sprott and newmont mining it trades in canada and the u.s under the Symbols NVO and NSRPF, respectively. Dynasert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and unfortunately, we have not been able to connect with Doug Casey. That's a disappointment for sure. Uh, Doug uh, Casey is uh, certainly one of the, you know, one of the more entertaining uh, hard money people, a libertarian, um, a, a person who really uh, knows the gold markets very well, inside and out, especially the speculative markets, and he's just written a book a novel uh, called Speculator, uh, which uh, Dr. Ron Paul has called A Thrilling Tale of International Intrigue. Uh, and it's a, it's a very interesting book. Uh, I've started reading it, and um, I uh, would uh, recommend that you uh, take a look at it and perhaps pick up a copy of it. Uh, if we get Doug on here yet, I hope we do, but uh, we may not. Uh, I'm uh, expecting it's probably a time a misunderstanding in terms of the timing. But in any event... Uh, the book um, is, um, uh, is is really about 
uh, about the junior gold markets, the markets that I look at personally, the ones that I write in, about in my newsletter. Uh, and um, so it's a, uh, it's something that I would um, suggest you take a look at. Just some of the uh, some of the uh, comments here. Uh, see. Al Corlin has, has commented on it. Brent Cook has commented on it. Adrian Day, a number of people I know, have commented on this book. And uh, just to give you an idea of some of the chapters that are in the book, um, the first chapter, a resolution almost unresolved, uh, a logical geological theory, secrets and secret societies, a foolish fantasy, um, and a garbanja, a, a garbanja reality, Small, small, a rumble and race, after action assessment, the floating hospital, uh, Sabina, now of the IRS. Anyway, it goes on many, many really interesting chapters. And if you know Doug Casey, you know he's always entertaining. Well, we don't have Doug here, so I'm flying solo. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about junior gold stocks and some of the companies that I cover in my newsletter. Last week, um, I talked about several uh, companies that I think are, have really uh, great potential. Uh, I reviewed uh, Barkerville Gold Mines. Barkerville Gold Mines uh, is a, a it's a company in British Columbia. It has a a, a very sizable target in British Columbia, uh, known as the Caribou Gold Project. Uh, it's been a lot of past producing mines there. In fact, it's a massive. Uh, it's a massive property, uh, some 60 kilometers long along the Caribou Trend, but it was never really explored professionally. Uh, now, recently, uh, in fact, the company had uh, some issues uh, with the past management in which it wasn't really, uh, reporting wasn't done properly, and uh, the, the resource was overstated, and uh, it was more of a, uh, I would say, more of a of a paper play, even though it always has had very substantial uh, exploration potential, gold potential. Uh, The potential, I believe, to host many, many millions of ounces. Of course, that takes a lot of time and money and exploration expertise. But uh, this is a company that is owned. Eric Spratt holds 19% of Barkerville Gold. Osisco Mining owns 17%. Osisco Gold Royalty owns 16%. And management owns 7.8%. Uh, and the company uh, is is now, I think, doing everything that's necessary to start to pull this together professionally. Uh, and the stock is selling at around 45 cents. There are 326 million shares outstanding. That's a lot of shares. Uh, but on the other hand, given the size and potential of this project, uh, I think it and and more importantly, the fact that there's some very serious money behind the company and uh, very serious professional leadership and uh, technical knowledge uh, headed up by Chris Lauder, who has been a very successful uh, mine developer in the past. So um, I think this is one that you'll really, uh, you might want to take a look at. And I wrote extensively about it in my last newsletter last weekend, uh, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, which by the way, you can subscribe to by going, uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to miningstocks.com. Uh, and signing up for it there. Uh, Barkerville then, uh, after just after I wrote about it, they put out some more uh, very good drill results. Um, the headline number of 9.1 meters 
uh, grading 13.03 grams per ton. Uh, but um, it's it's just really, I, I think, a story that is very much worth looking at uh, further. Barkerville Gold Mines trades in the U.S. under the symbol BGMZF and in Canada under the symbol BGM. Um, in terms of, um, of course, the companies that uh, we just talked to, Klondike Gold, uh, is is one that, um, from the other end of the spectrum in terms of market cap, uh, we just, uh, you know, it's a very low market cap company. I think a company that has uh, also has tremendous upside potential. As a matter of fact, in terms of uh, the um, uh, in terms of the leverage, I would think you have greater upside potential at this point in time with Klondike and and Peter Talman, who we just spoke with, is certainly a most um, a, a very a very well regarded professional geologist, uh, and he's had, as we noted, three uh, discoveries to his credit already, uh, and um, I think there's a good chance he'll be on to the to the next major, uh, to another discovery there, uh, certainly has made a discovery. They haven't done enough work yet to outline a resource, but it looks like, especially with the dissemination around the quartz veins, that this is a, a company has a real shot uh, at coming up with something very significant. And again, as he mentioned, just a very, very small portion of this gigantic district scale target in the Klondike. The Klondike, um, Earlier on, before this orogenic uh, model was became recognized among geologists, uh, the theory at the Klondike was that there was simply uh, that all the gold or most of it must have already been eroded, and that's the placer gold that's been mined uh, in uh, you know about 40 years later than the, uh, 1896, I guess is when they made the discovery. And um, the theories were, and a lot of geologists sort of suspected that that was it, that the gold was basically eroded away. Well, Peters demonstrated, his work has demonstrated that's certainly not the case. And in fact, the orogenic model uh, is one in which the these um, relatively vertical quartz structures, or in this case, at least in this, um, uh, in this project, uh, they're quartz structures that extend to great depths. Uh, but there's no need to spend a lot of money drilling and exploring at depth right now because there's so much lateral potential uh, for this uh, for this target. So uh, very interesting, and also one of the uh, one of the issues um, that I understand some people are concerned about with respect to the Klondike, uh, the hard rock potential there, uh, is a lack of continuity. Well, Peter was telling me that wherever you have quartz veins, there has been continuity. And now they're even more heartened by the discovery of disseminated gold outside of the high-grade quartz veins. So that means that uh, potentially it could be a much larger scale bulk mineable operation, especially given the fact that these uh, these structures come right up to the surface. So certainly Klondike is uh, is is a story that uh, is really very very exciting uh, from my perspective. We talked about. Um, yeah, we really wanted to talk to Doug Casey. I guess we're just not going to make a connection with Doug today. He confirmed yesterday, not sure why, um, where the problem is. Uh, but I had a lot of questions for Doug I wanted to ask him. Uh, he talked in his article of the 1930s, uh, the, uh, the, um, he compared the 1930s to today. Uh, and Doug was really basically suggesting that whereas uh, the... The generals at the Federal Reserve are basically fighting uh, 
la- the last war of the 1930s. They are essentially printing money uh, and believing they can deficit spend their way to prosperity. Well, it didn't work very well in the 1930s. Along came World War II, and some people tried to give credit to World War II. Certainly the Austrian economists don't believe that at all, that that was the reason we came out of the Depression. Uh, in fact, uh, the Austrians believe it was a substantial savings that took place during the war, uh, and that was capital formation that was really the reason that uh, uh, that the economy did so well after that. But nonetheless, um, uh, people don't want to give up on their ideas, the things they've uh, spent their lives preaching and teaching about, and that is the Keynesian model uh, is all they know, and so... Uh, they're not willing to say that maybe we were wrong and maybe we should go in another direction and try something different. Uh, and so they continue to fight the last war, print more money. Uh, but Doug is suggesting, um, if you read his article uh, in the International Man, Doug Casey's International Man, uh, that, uh, that in fact what we could be looking at now uh, is something more like a hyperinflationary depression, if I'm uh, reading him correctly, and unfortunately, Doug's not with us today uh, to, to talk about that. So I mentioned Barkerville. Some of the other companies I talked about last week's newsletter, um, I talked about Colorado Resources, uh, and this is a company that also, uh, well, they've really, they're, they're also uh, in up in British Columbia and some pretty, uh, in the Golden Triangle of British Columbia, which is a very rich area for gold mining, uh, and they um, actually have picked up some ground now uh, in the, known as a Green Springs project in Nevada. So one of the problems with a lot of the junior mining companies that are only operating in the north is that there's only a, a portion of the season in which they'll have any results or any news to report. And since these companies really live by news, <clears throat> they live by the news, um, when there's no news flow, the companies sometimes their share prices can really uh, suffer as a result of that. Uh, but as I say, Colorado Resources has picked up some ground uh, in Nevada uh, in that uh, uh, in that Green Springs property, and I understand they will be doing some uh, some drilling very very shortly as well. They also picked up some other ground uh, recently as well, and uh, so that is a, a company that's selling. Uh, it's very, very inexpensive stock. I think at around uh, 16 cents or so. Uh, let me just check my own uh, my own portfolio here. Uh, just one second. All right. So we're looking here at um, at some very interesting companies. I think uh, I'm trying to think here. So Arvista is one that I personally own that I'm very, 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 very keen on. Uh, trades. Uh, it, it has a project in uh, in Quebec, uh, an open pit, uh, very very massive target, with some three and a half million ounces outlined so far. Uh, what's really exciting about this is I'm understanding some very significant players are starting to buy this stock, coming into the picture. Uh, it's one that I've liked for some time. Uh, it's up two and a half cents today to twenty five. Uh, a little over 25 cents in U.S. dollars. Um, another one that I like an awful lot uh, in the Golden Triangle is Ascot Resources. Uh, somebody's compared that one to Pritium, the Pritium Discovery. Um, we shall see, but it, it's an old mining camp. Its previous 
previously operating uh, gold mine. It has all the infrastructure that's required. Uh, again, another one that I think is well worth looking uh, looking at. Um, setting aside some of the gold shares, one of the things that I've done as a result of Michael Oliver's uh, recent uh, work, and that is uh, Michael, as he's uh, sh- discussed on our show, has been very bullish on commodities in general, and the agricultural commodities he's speci- in particular has been very positive about. Well, so I went out and bought a stock called, uh, it's an ETF, COW, C-O-W, and a COW uh, really mirrors the, uh, the live cattle futures, uh, and that's an interesting play as well that I think, uh, well, it makes some sense, at least uh, based on Michael's work and the accuracy of his work. Uh, it's, it's been very, very good. Now, Dynasert is, of course, they're sponsors to this show. And Dynasert, um, we, we should be hearing from them pretty soon. Uh, we will, I think we have a scheduled, uh, we have a, the CEO scheduled to come on the show uh, in a couple of weeks, a few weeks from now, perhaps. But Dynasert um, is uh, now selling its hydrogen units. And I understand uh, the first 500 units sales uh, are in vision, and um, things seem to be going very, very well. There's a company that, um, uh, w- well, the one that I think is very, very exciting is RN Resources, also a sponsor of this show. RN Resources, because they have all of the ingredients in place uh, for success uh, in terms of exploration and development. And they've had two very significant successes under their belt so far. So RN Resources... It's uh, selling at $2.74 in U.S. money right now. Uh, they have no problem. Uh, I think it was Gold Corp just recently came in with a big chunk of change. They own a big portion of the company now. Uh, but Arin has projects uh, in British Columbia, uh, in Nunavut, and they have three projects or so in, uh, uh, in Peru. Uh, all of them, I think, have world-class potential. Uh, and uh, they will be drilling very aggressively, all of them, in the next uh, number of weeks. And so RN Resources is, is certainly, um, well, it's my second largest holding after Novo Resources. Uh, another one that you might want to take a, a good look at um, that's had some difficulties is Gold Source Mines. Gold Source Mines, um, again, it's a management situation uh, that has me very, very confident in this company. Gold Source Mines is uh, mining saprolite-hosted gold in Guyana, South America. Uh, it's, um, they've had some difficulties, uh, but they were more or less expen- expected difficulties. Uh, the management of this company, the same management that, that started Silvercrest, which has been phenomenally successful. Uh, and the way they start out is with a very low budget, and they start out almost like uh, doing, they, they basically start on a very small scale and they learn as they go, but without committing huge amounts of capital uh, to carry out very expensive feasibility studies and all the other things that are required normally. Uh, and so they've had some very low recovery rates, uh, but they in the process then learned why they have those low recovery rates and are in the process of fixing uh, and, and addressing the needs that are to, to get their recovery rates up to where they expected. Uh, they didn't expect to have extremely high recovery rates to start with, but the cost of mining this saprolite material is so low uh, that even uh, recovery rates of 40 or 50 percent 
would have been good enough to start with. In due process, then, when they get the the permits that are required, they will start a, a cyanide leaching process as well and get over 90% of the gold. And they'll run the uh, the tailings through the, uh, through the cyanide circuit, uh, ultimately. So it's sort of a, a, a different approach. Rather than throwing huge amounts of money and diluting shareholders from here to kingdom come, this is a management that starts out small, uh, little by little builds up the success in the project, uh, and the stock really took quite a hit uh, after uh, it had some very poor, less uh, recoveries, lower recoveries than they anticipated, and so uh, that was um, uh, so that uh, so that was a time that I decided I wanted to buy this stock some more. Uh, it's gold source mines; uh, you can buy it in Canada or here. It's about twelve cents, thirteen cents right now in U.S. money. Uh, and I, I expect uh, that that one should do extremely well uh, as the company continues to move forward. Markets not understanding the policy, the, pro- the uh, process that they were working on, uh, but nonetheless, I think they're doing. Uh, they will do very well. I think. Well, those are just a few of the ideas. My engineer is telling me my time is up. Uh, very sorry that Doug Casey couldn't be with us. Perhaps we can get him on another time. Uh, next week, Peter Grandich will be with me. Uh, until then. Goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dynasert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. Golden Predator Mining Corp., a well-financed gold exploration company operating in Canada's Yukon, focused on advancing its Three Aces project, a high-grade gold project located in the southeast Yukon with gold and quartz outcrops at surface. Ongoing work includes trenching, road work, drilling, and bulk sampling. Golden Predator also holds the past-producing Brewery Creek project located near Dawson City, Yukon. Golden Predator, a company working closely with Yukon First Nations. Golden Predator trades on the Canadian venture market as GPY and in the US OTC market as NTGSF. Chilean Metals is a Canadian junior exploration company focusing on high potential copper, gold prospects in Chile and Canada. Chilean Metals Zulima property is a Candelaria-like prospect, one of the largest mines in the world. The company has begun its drill program in Chile on its Zulima property and should be completed by the end of February. We also own a 3% royalty on future production on Tech Resources Copa Query property, potentially worth millions of dollars annually. This is the time to invest in Chilean Metals, a discovery story with a hedge. Traded TSX Venture under symbol CMX.